Time for the September 16th, 2022 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history. Broadcasting on International Day for the Preservation of the Ozone Layer from the University of California at Irvine in the backyard of KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And, as always, a domestic mammal closely related to the gray wolf, Mahler, the fake news dog. Mahler. Mahler, where are you? Mahler. He was barking. I, I, you he know, runs. this is the only thing that we really ask of him the whole yeah, show, right yeah, here. Come on, man. All right. All right. Okay, God. Whew. Today... We'll be talking about stabilizing the grid, blotting out the night sky, the smell of Parkinson's, probemic probe face, and then some. But first. But first. But first. Remember that story we did about the tire extinguishers? That uh, the people who let the air out of tires of SUVs Mm -hmm. because SUVs are stupid? They are stupid, generally. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember. I mean, you know, they might have some use somewhere, but... Not in cities. Not in 125-pound uh, women driving around in them with nobody else in the car, generally. Yeah, that's that stupid. Kind of stuff. That's yeah. stupid. It is kind of stupid. Yeah. Well, right now, we're going to try something exciting and different. Oh, the tire extinguisher update from Tech Times. The climate activist group Tire Extinguishers claimed its largest night of action yet against SUVs with more than 600 vehicles disarmed across nine countries. They call it disarmed. Mm-hmm. Disarmed. They let the air out of the tires. Yeah. It's a very benign way of, of disarming. One night, 600 vehicles in the UK, France, Germany, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Norway, Denmark, the Czech Republic, and Canada. The movement has now deflated tires on around 9,000 SUVs in cities across the world since March, striking continuously. And look to surpass their goal of 10,000 SUVs, uh, SUVs deflated by Christmas. Oh, they're on track easily, yeah. yeah. Tire extinguishers' aim is to make it impossible to own an SUV in the world's urban areas. Wow. It's fine with me. Condemning the vehicles as unnecessary luxury emissions flaunted by the rich or wealthy. Mm-hmm. Rich or wealthy. Wealthy. That are a climate disaster disaster and cause air pollution and make our roads more dangerous. And there's something about construction of large vehicles, trucks, SUVs, where they use a certain kind of pig iron in the production of them yeah. that is extremely detrimental to extraordinarily harmful to the environment wow i didn't know that yeah there's a kind of there's there's special kind of iron for big trucks bigger trucks that sounds like some kind of hoax i'm gonna look it up now that you've challenged i don't want you to look it up i'm gonna look it up well i'm not challenging you it just sounds like a hoax okay like they use i mean like what would be the difference i'm sure there's some little like need more strength if probably above a certain weight maybe yeah, yeah Or a certain length. That's what I... Or a certain amount of stupidity. Yeah. If you... Yeah. Yeah. They won't buy... Some people won't buy a vehicle unless they know it's it's made with stupid material. That's true. Yeah. 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 I've seen it happen. Yeah. Research published in 2019 by the International Energy Agency 
found SUVs were the second largest cause of the global rise in carbon dioxide emissions over the past decade. And they're stupid because they have pig iron. Mm-hmm. It says right here in the article. It does. Wow. Wow. Look That's at that. great. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. There you are, Molly. Now he's talking. Al <laughs> <sighs> from Axios. Uh-huh. Axios. Yeah. That's A-X-I-O-S. Axios. Okay. A half century after founding the outdoor apparel maker Patagonia. That is a feel-good story, I think. Yeah, I I didn't read the whole article, so I'm not going to be able to comment until you finish reading your your part of it. But yeah. it sounded good from what I saw. Yeah, yeah. this uh, the founder, uh, Yvonne Schwinard. He was a rock climber, an eccentric man. Yeah, well, you know they call them eccentric if they, you know, don't conform. I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he gave his company away, rather than selling the company or taking it public. Schwinard. Uh, his wife and two children have transferred their ownership of Patagonia, valued at $3 billion, to a specially designed trust and a nonprofit organization created to preserve the company's independence and ensure that all of its profits, some $100 million a year, are used to combat climate change and protect undeveloped land around the world. Period. Wow. There's no wow. hitch on this. He's just a good guy. Yeah. Wish there were more of them. Seems like most people that get involved in business at this level are not good guys. So I think that's probably a prerequisite. I there may be something about a personality type that's needed to rise to the top of a corporate. Oh, I'm sure there is of sorts. But yeah. this guy just is a person yeah. with good ideas that put them into practice yeah. and and uh, had some luck and became yeah. successful at it. There you it. go. Good for him. Uh-huh. Mahler has something to say about it, too. Yeah. Yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if this news makes you hopeful, may I recommend a donation to KUCI while you're in a good mood? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial-free, free-form, free-speech radio, KUCI. 88.9 FM. Mm-hmm. Mahler. Good, good yeah. boy. From PETA. You know PETA. Is that the animal rights organization? Yeah, uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, headed by the lovely Ingrid Newkirk. Mm-hmm. You know, some people think she's a bit eccentric. Um, yes, they do. But she just has crazy ideas. And she puts them into practice. I don't like crazy ideas. They're actually pretty sound ideas, except they're contrary to what a lot of people They're extraordinary believe. ideas she puts yeah. into practice. That yeah. would make her a little eccentric. Just like that Schwinard guy, you know, from yeah. Patagonia. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. She does good things. I interviewed her once. Did you? Yeah, I just interviewed her from my website. Just called her up. She was great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, I asked her if, you know, that we were talking about uh, those uh, magic meats whatever they call them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. fake meats. Fake meats. This is like 15 years ago. Probably even, yeah, about 15 years, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more. She was charming. I asked her if if you, if you they made a meat out of her, <laughs> do you think, you know, we could have dinner with it, you know? <laughs> her and I could sit down and have a little snack <laughs> eating 
yeah. meet based on her. Yeah, based on and her. And she was charmed and charming. Now, if people wanted to listen to this exchange, would they be able to go to? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's still on on uh, at KCI. I hope so. Okay. Podcast. Okay. No, it's not. What do you mean? No, no. It would be. You got a, me confused. It would be. Why a, do you ask that? For my website. Yeah, I, Nathan I interviewed her. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I just I I interviewed her like I would a newspaper interview. Okay. It wasn't like this. Okay. Where it's professional and we're just you asked going your questions and, and you did a transcript transcribing of it. <laughs> I've got I've got to know. No. Okay. How I did it. Well, you know, you're asking me to recall something that was 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. I imagine I had a tape recorder running. Yeah. And I took notes. Yes. Yeah. That's what that's I usually what yeah. I do. It was an audio. You're that's what you just said. It's not an audio recording of Okay, we're done. We're done with that. <laughs> uh, you could read it on my website. There you go. That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. At nathancallahan.com. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, from PETA Nigerian customs officers reportedly intercepted 7,000 smuggled donkey penises. Say what? And it's not peni, it's penises. It is penises. Yeah, in case you're wondering. The burning question. They intercepted. That's an odd word for it. It's like, you know, somebody was, was yeah. uh, you know, going, for, going deep with them, you know, <laughs> going for a score. And somebody intercepted 7,000 smuggled donkey penises at an airport in the country's largest city, Lagos, after the stench emanating from 16 bags of donkey penises <laughs> slated for export aroused suspicion. Oh, this is disgusting anyway. Oh, you know? I mean, wow. if, if they were human penises, we'd all be aghast. Yeah. But these are beautiful little creatures. They're yeah. getting their yeah. dicks cut off yeah. because... In China, apparently, they yeah, think it, it's, it cures some ailment. Yeah. The illegally shipped donkey genitalia were allegedly uh-huh. headed to Hong Kong to be used in making a traditional Chinese medicine called a jiyao. Okay. Uh, there are numerous alternatives to a jiao, including modern medications and herbal, and herbal remedies. I talked about this a lot, but I still can't get over herbal it's not an affection of mine, or, or I, you know, I'm not trying to affect uh-huh. herbal sounding or herbal. Uh, Is that what we're going? Yeah, herbal. Herbal. I can. I guess I did it all my life. My parents were very concerned that I said herbal. They laughed at me when I said uh-huh. herbal. That's now I'm laughing at them. Yeah, there you they're go. in their graves. Yeah. I'm laughing at them. We're laughing. It's right herbal, now. mom. Herbal. <laughs> Anyway, there are modern uh, medications and herbal and herbal remedies. <laughs> God damn my parents. Herbal remedies that are more effective and don't require that any animals be killed. But people still go on. That you know, they're running around with 16 bags of donkey dicks. Yeah. This is not good. No. Come it, on, folks. What's what are you This is uh, what is it? The 21st century now? Yeah. I've been through two of them. I've never used one donkey penis. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are all kinds of um, folklore ingredients that the Chinese are fond of uh-huh. in putting in things that are just raising havoc on the world's eco- um, ecology. Yeah, yeah. Because there are a lot of people in China, and if it's popular in China, it will have an impact on the rest of the world if yeah. they go after it. Well, you know, for example, what if they were to say, say, dog penises? You know, what? what, what oh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what would happen. <laughs> They'd have to face that. They would. 
and they would have one of the world's greatest spokes canines involved in a fight. Yeah, yeah. I'd come after yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd be thinking about uh, Mahler. Yeah, I'd be right uh, there. Right. Can, yeah. I could just see Mahler uh, at the podium at the UN speaking out. He's going to do that? About the atrocities yeah. involved in animal penises, peni. Penises. Penises. From Scientific American, after nearly two weeks of recent United Nations negotiations in New York City, countries from around the world failed to finalize an ambitious treaty that would create enormous marine protected areas and enforce stricter rules for industry on the high seas. And the high seas, that's about the third of the ocean, or two-thirds of the ocean. Okay. Sorry about that. that which is good. beyond any country's exclusive ocean territory. That's fantastic. So that's a lot of stuff. Well, it's not fantastic because they failed to finalize the, no. a uh, part of the treaty. Yeah. What part, you might ask? Yes, I am. The deal faltered in the final hours, mainly over an issue that has long dogged international ocean talks. How to share profits from commercializing the high seas genetic resources. So we're talking DNA here. Okay. Okay. Ocean organisms, both plants and animals, formed the basis of numerous successful drugs, including remdesivir. You know, that's the uh, first treatment approved for COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, Halivan, a anti-cancer drug derived from a Japanese sea sponge that has annual sales, sales of over $300 million. Wow. So since uh, genetic material from high seas organisms and their digital data from sequencing their genomes could be used to develop new products potentially worth billions of dollars, who gets the profits? That's what we're trying to decide here. Yeah. I think I should. Yeah. You have as much, I think you have as much claim as... Yeah. You're, I, you're a human being. You, yeah, you, you, I mean, you know what I mean? You, have, you should enjoy the fruits of the planet. I think I should. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, like, steal the genetic code. No. but Maybe you should. Under the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, nations have the right to extract and profit from fisheries in international waters. Mm -hmm. But they must share the profits from minerals taken from, international, from the international seabed. See how that works? Mm -hmm. Fisheries, they get profits. Mm -hmm. Minerals, they don't get profits which the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea designates as a common heritage of all people, the minerals. Right. So the uh, fish, they get, fishermen get the profits. They get the, the minerals. Profit. Yeah. Uh, we get it shared, I suppose. There's no profits. <clears throat> we must share the profits. There is, however, no binding agreement on sharing marine genetic resources discovered either in international waters or the seabed. So we're working that out right now. I, you know, I think there um, should be a little bit of shared profit was, and profits. You know, some sort of agreement where they give a little bit away to maybe help the planet. Well, that's what I was going to mention is that there should be a kind of a common fund for things like this that are of mutual benefit to the world, especially when you're in this murky area of law, yeah. of ocean law. Seafaring law, I think there's why not? Why can't we high car seas law? Why can't we carve out it's high seas law? Why can't we carve out a part of our economy that goes to the common wealth of everyone? I don't know. Okay. I'm all for that. Yeah. How about you, Molly? Are you for it or not? <laughs>
You're for it. Okay. Well, he he's still dealing with that last story about, you know, I think that's yeah. processing that. Here's a follow-up story, Mike, yeah. from Canary Media, AB 2316. We talked about this last week. The bill that enables renters and low-income Californians to access renewable energy by subscribing to community solar projects passed the California legislature by a broad majority last week with widespread support from interest groups, not just solar developers, but also environmental justice organizations, consumer advocates, the home building industry, and utility workers. Oh, good. It's hard to get a coalition like that That is. Going. That's fantastic. Yeah. Compensation for community solar will be pegged to the actual value of the electricity at the time it's delivered to the grid, which is great. I mean, that's instantaneous uh, capitalistic resource commodification. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Yeah, since California is awash in solar in the sunny hours, but desperately in need of power during the evening hours, market forces will push community solar projects to be built with batteries, right. of course, right. in order to allow projects to sell their power when it can command the best price. Right. So Fantastic. you just store that stuff yeah. up, yeah. and yeah. then you can... And by the way, they are developing solar panels that can pick up a certain kind of light uh -huh. at night. There's night a, light. There is a certain band uh, on the light spectrum that is available at night, and they, have to, they are in the process of developing panels that will be recharged by that particular kind of That's light. That's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of batteries, from the Los Angeles Times, or from Los Angeles Times... Sorry to repeat myself there, Mike. In an op-ed by Mike Ferry, Californians delivered big time when asked to cut power use at critical moments during the severe heat wave earlier this month. We did really well. Yeah. There was even a little bit in the L.A. Times today about, since we did so well, start rewarding us. Yeah. Uh, give us some uh, discounts on making us even more efficient. Yeah. You know, get those special kind of thermostats that sense things that are make it uh, cut down on your electrical use, that kind of stuff. That'd be nice. Yeah, maybe maybe part of a package that essentially makes all of our homes a little more efficient with the use of some of those things that you're talking about. Exactly. And there's it it comes back. And if you have them, then you get a little bit bonus break or something yeah. on it. Yeah. But without the storage capacity from new battery systems, reducing demand might not have been enough. And we would have had outages. So without us trying so hard to cut our electricity, yeah. there probably would have been outages. Batteries that saved California weighs tens of thousands of pounds. They weigh tens of thousands of pounds and, in, and uh, occupy entire, entire systems can be larger than a football field. Okay. Those batteries, the system right. for them. Some of the biggest batteries literally occupy the real estate and buildings that once housed fossil fuel generators. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And California has more batteries than anywhere else in the world, having grown its fleet more than tenfold in just the last two years. Wow. Altogether, California's batteries are now its biggest power plant. For the vast majority of the year, these batteries play an essential role in stabilizing the grid smoothing power flows, and balancing variable energy. They also play a big part in leveling wholesale energy prices by charging up when electricity is cheap, usually during the midday solar peak, and then discharging the energy back to the grid later that day when prices are higher. And I have no doubt that there are going to be 
developing, they are in the midst of this kind of battery revolution. I'm reading stories every few days about new technologies that are coming online with batteries, the size of the batteries, all the things that we would need to have a sustainable grid with the, with the use of these batteries is getting better and better and better all the time, so that's good news. Yeah, the only thing is we have to know, <laughs> have to figure out how to dispose of these or reuse them. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yes, I haven't seen anything that says this is the way to do it, but I have a feeling they're working on it, yep. so. You know, can I, shout out to California. The last a shout year. out. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean okay, I got I mean, one. Yeah, okay. Uh, ah! okay. There you go. That was what I was hoping for. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that's the, a shout. It, it was. Shout, was, yeah. it was I Are mean, you the, might to, say something nice. Twenty thirty-five. Was that a colloquialism? Twenty thirty-five. We're not going to be selling uh, fuel, <laughs> fossil fuel cars in the state. We are moving in the right direction. I know people complain about homelessness and taxes, and those are legitimate. Housing prices, all those are legitimate. But the state legislature seems to be doing the right thing more often than not. And it's encouraging. Yeah. A shout out to California. Yeah, Mueller. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a real shout out. It's a shout out. Yeah. Very good, Mueller. Yeah. From reasons to be cheerful, floating solar farms. They got them floating now. Yeah. It's the latest thing. Because they're looking around, it's a hot thing now. Do you look for real estate, good real estate, to have a solar farm? Parking lots. Parking lot. You like the parking Well, you know, people already own the parking lots. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of parking lots just sitting there, like out in the desert. No, no. I mean, yeah, I'm just go, one hey, component look. of it. But Dodger Stadium could be a mega farm for, for solar panels if they... Nah, well, you know, you have to worry about the other thing. There's posts there. You have to be careful what kind of parking lot you do it in. Okay. Because people are cutting across Dodger Stadium. It's a free-for-all at times. Yeah, you're right. And you're it changes right. lanes and everything. So yeah, yeah. Huh. You don't want people, like, smacking into poles, and then yeah. you have litigation well, costs. I, I'm just looking out for Frank McCord. Frank McCord. Former Shut for, up and die. Yeah, Frank former McCord. owner of the Dodgers who yeah. basically tried to ruin the Dodgers. He was a crook. But he, when he sold the Dodgers to the Guggenheim, he uh, to the Guggenheim Group, he kept the parking floating lot. solar farms, kept, not in parking lots or kept, Dodger Stadium. The lot. These are floating solar farms. Yeah, I understand. We're looking, for, right. we're looking for places to put solar panels. What do you do with them? Yeah. The most recent uh, major example went into operation: an array of twelve thousand solar panels, a hundred miles southwest of Lisbon floating on the reservoir of Portugal's Alquieva Dam. Mm -hmm. It's floating on a reservoir. Mm -hmm. 12,000 solar panels with a span of four soccer fields and a peak capacity of four, five megawatts. Five megawatts, one megawatt is about 1,200 California homes. So figure like Orange County homes. Say that again. Same. One megawatt is 1,200 gotcha. California homes. Gotcha, okay. One megawatt. Gotcha. So we're talking about 6,000 uh, California homes could be powered by this dam. And that's, you know, California homes, I think what they're saying is you got air conditioning going on. You're all plugged in. Yeah. I would assume that California homes are like the gold standard for using energy yeah. in, this, yeah. in the world, right? There are too to many homes it, yes. that use more energy. They're the than biggest it. suckers of <laughs> energy. I don't yeah. think there are too many more opulent 
places. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So this is the largest, this one in uh, Portugal, the largest floating solar farm in Europe, generates enough electricity to meet the needs of more than 30% of the region's population. So it's not heavily populated there, but it's a great way to get some energy yeah, going. It's a start. A floating solar farm. And last week we were talking about the California aqueduct and the pilot program to put solar arrays over the top of the aqueduct. Yeah, that's like doubly cool there because right. it saves our water that's coming down to well, we can drink it. It doesn't vaporize. That's right. Yeah, so the, it's a it's a win win and it's win win. I know I haven't used that in a while. Sorry about right. that. Yeah, you know I knew a guy named Win Win. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, yeah, I met him up in Sacramento one time. Win <laughs> win. And this was many years ago. Okay. You know, well. many many years ago, and I had to say it. Yeah. I had to say that right now, as I'm sitting here with you, Mr. Win, it's a win win situation <laughs> for me. Uh, uh, did he? Did he? His upper lip then curl, said, or anything? Did he? And I said, but I'm sure you've heard that before. And he kind of hung his head low. And, yeah, yeah. He looked down. He'd heard yeah. it before. Yeah. Walked away. And you're listening to KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org on Facebook at facebook.com/KUCI88.9. On our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Uh-huh. Good boy. You getting kind of tired of this, Mahler? You want to play? I'll do a little playtime? Yeah, Mahler! There you go. Good boy. Come on. Come on now. Want to get it? Want to get the squeak toy? Want to get it? Get it! Get it! I'll take care of him for a while. <laughs> what a maroon. From Android Police. Uh-huh. New little newsletter there. California sued Amazon. You heard about this, right? Yeah. That's the big news. Yeah. Alleging that the company caused high prices across the state and stifled competition. Yeah. I've got mixed feelings about this. Okay. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, it's true about Amazon, no doubt. And they have a history. This isn't the first time somebody's yeah. gone after them for essentially... Uh, undercutting businesses' ability to be able to exist. Basically, yeah. they just. That's where I had the problem with them. We got to work that out. Yeah. It's not I want to abolish Amazon, right. but Amazon penalizes sellers on its site if they offer products elsewhere for lower prices, the state alleged. And they do. That makes it harder for others to compete, the lawsuit said, which is true. Right. The Federal Trade Commission has been investigating Amazon for years, and its chair, Lena Khan, is expected to take action against the company. She's said as much before. Third-party sellers have long accounted for more than half of all items sold on Amazon. So go out and make your own platform. I hate to say, but that's the economy we live in. If you don't like where you are, then you... You have that ability. Yeah. But Amazon is kind of the death star of business. Oh, you're absolutely right. But that's they took advantage of it, and nobody's been... That's what capitalism's about i don't know you know what else to do here um there are other third-party sellers and i hope they compete against amazon about half of amazon's 30-party sellers generate between 80 percent and 100 percent of their revenue in the company's marketplace place now that kind of ties them into this mm-hmm. it's too bad that amazon can't be a little bit more profitable for these places they need to cut a deal right 
these these uh, it'd be nice if the third party sellers could unionize. Right. Right. In the same way that Walmart will come into a community and uh-huh. wipe out all the local businesses. I, well, I'd say that Amazon has created little, little businesses. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. It's just that they take way too much of the profit for themselves, right. f- given the service that they perform. The only service they perform is that they're a monopoly, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Or they tend to be the place where everybody goes to to get their goods, and they do a good job of turning it around. Yeah. If you, you think of speed as the only positive. Right. If I need those socks tomorrow, yeah. I can get them. Well, there are more important I, things I know, than your socks. I know, I yeah. know, but I, it's, it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm all in favor of the third-party sellers getting more money. Yeah. I, I wish there would be a negotiation uh, point here instead of uh, having to beat Amazon over the head and turn it into... I wish, I wish Jeff Bezos would be as nice as the guy from Patagonia. Yeah. I wish he would have some... Uh, just realize that the collective is very important. The commonwealth is more important than his wealth. That's right. Speaking of that, do you ever use the Internet Archive, Mike? <coughs> Excuse me. You know that. I do know of it, yeah. and I know that it's an invaluable resource. I have tried <laughs> to go on the the Internet Archive yeah. and looking for something specific and was not able to find it. But, yes, it's a great, it's a great website. So, except you can't find anything. No, I, I just I wasn't very adept at getting around ah. it. But, yeah. I like the Wayback Machine. You ever yeah, use is. that? It is the um... right. You can go. They've been taking snapshots, you might say, of the internet since 1994 or something like that. Yeah, I think that's what I was referring to. What you just said. Oh the yeah. Wayback well, Machine. they have books there too. You can check yeah. out books. Yeah. Okay. But the Wayback Machine is uh, really great. Yeah. You can visit. I'm sure for at for, UCI in nineteen in two thousand. Right. Yeah. I'm sure for journalists it's an invaluable tool going back, mm-hmm. using that. From Slate magazine, two and a half years ago the Internet Archive made a decision that pissed off a lot of writers and embroiled it in a lawsuit that could weaken the archive, its finances and its services long into the future. At the beginning of the pan- pandemic in March 2020, as bookstores and libraries joined other businesses in closing their doors, the Internet Archive tried a virtual solution. It had long offered an open library, which contains a massive number of scanned books that can be checked out online by users one at a time. Hmm. In response to the pandemic, it temporarily lifted limits on the number of scanned copies available for checkout as well as the length of time a given book could be checked out temporarily becoming a national emergency library. Hmm. Well, the plan was uh, to conclude a project in June 30th of 2020. It was Hmm. just a temporary thing. Mm -hmm. At the time, prominent writers spoke out against the national emergency library. Many called it piracy and condemned the archive for allegedly stealing from creators. More than two months after the national emergency library kicked off, Hatchet Book Group, HarperCollins, Penguin Random House, and John Wiley and Sons sued the Internet Archive, alleging willful mass copyright infringement. Mm. In response, the Archive ended the National Emergency Library a little earlier than planned, by about two weeks. Uh, 
but the lawsuit is ongoing and it's recently escalated. In July, both sides requested that the district court overseeing the case speeded up and lay down a ruling before a trial could be held. More recently, both parties filed opposition briefs to further negate each other's cases. Now, since the suit's been filed, many of the authors who complained about it have changed their minds. Hmm. On July 14th, the Authors Alliance filed an uh, amicus brief in the lawsuit on behalf of the Internet Archive. Okay. The concern is that if legal costs drain the archive of its funds, all of its services that are used by 1.5 million people daily could be affected. In addition to lending books digitally, the Internet Archive boosts the Wayback Machine. And uh, we may find out sooner, rather sooner than later, whether the uh, digital nonprofit will prevail in its fight against some of the world's biggest publishers. Wow. I wish they'd just drop it. Yeah, it's kind of the snake eating its own tail here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I look at these places as good advertisement for books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like they're do- they're secretly bootlegging books, right? And selling you know copies online or digital copies. They're it's a lending library. By the way, can I promote? I'm going to promote a uh, a website that I truly care about and uh-huh. love, Open Culture dot com and while it's a little different than what you're describing in terms of the uh way back this is public domain stuff public domain stuff and it's a terrific website for that and it has access to just an amazing array of images and that's what's fun if you want to decorate your website your website with an image these don't have any copyright on them at all right and you can have a lot of fun with them and break them down and and you'll see lectures from uh-huh. All kinds of people, all kinds of just interesting stuff. Openculture.com. Different than what you're talking about, but very cool. From Fast Company, uh, SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket launched the Blue Walker 3 satellite, the largest commercial communications array ever flown in space this week. Blue Walker 3 was built by Texas-based AST Space Mobile uh, ride low, to ride low into the Earth orbit over the weekend. Okay. Okay, you got that? I got it. You got this big satellite up there. When unfolded in orbit, it will become a flat 693-square-foot phased array antenna, antenna designed to provide broadband Internet access to people on the ground. This sounds pretty good so far, huh? Sounds real good. And so. unlike like SpaceX's own Starlink Internet satellites, Blue Walker 3, will not require users to install a dish and a router on the ground in order to access the web. You just plug straight into the satellite. Sounds good. Yes, I can. Uh, what, yeah, what could go wrong? AST claims that this will be the first and only global cellular broadband network in space to operate directly with standard unmodified mobile devices. You just punch it up. Yeah. Which sounds great if you don't consider the consequences. Astronomers believe that the new giant communication satellite will ruin our skies and interfere with celestial observations, just like Starlink is doing right now. AST Space Mobile plans to put more than 100 of these satellites in low Earth orbit by the end of 2024. Okay. That's on top of Starlink's current constellation, which already includes 3,000 satellites, a number that will grow beyond 30,000. That's... 
you know, astronomers are having a tough time. I mean, what's what he can see going on in the future is we're going to be reliant on satellite telescopes, right? Like the web that will go up beyond the satellites we have out there, and you'll just see a lot of space debris uh, falling through the sky, comets, lots of space debris, comets. Yeah, and every once in a while, something will hit the ground. Thirty thousand. Uh huh. That's a lot. That just sounds like a recipe for something really terrible to happen. <laughs> well, you were ready to plug in. Well, with the initial story sounds great. I thought it was just going to be... I didn't know there was going to be a hundred of them. That sounds... Is it one just sitting over your house? Yeah, <laughs> sitting so over... Go, la, 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 uh, la, 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 <laughs> I'm online and I'm fine. It's sitting over what? Orange County. Everybody, I want everybody to enjoy it in Orange County. Uh-huh. I got a nice little story here. It's not all happy, but it's a nice little story from Smithsonian Magazine. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. How about you, Molly? You ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ten years after marrying her husband, Joy Mill noticed something odd. Her husband had taken on an unpleasant and musty odor, primarily around his shoulders and the back of his neck. I kept saying to him, you're not showering properly. I don't think that's what she really said. <laughs> and she said, you stink like shite. That's what I think she said. <laughs> and he became quite angry about it at first. Yeah, I think there was some dust-ups. <laughs> As the years passed, the smell didn't go away, and Milne began to notice her husband had gotten more moody. Yeah. Now, at first, so, I would guess it's because she told him he stunk. Yeah. She, hey, stinky. You know, and yeah. How would you yeah. like to be greeted every day? Like so that? she took him to a doctor, and he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Oh. Yeah. Several years later, the couple joined a support group for Parkinson's patients and families. When they entered the room, Milne noticed instantly, the, that's uh, the woman, noticed instantly that the others had the same musty smell as her husband. Yep. Milne has hereditary hyperosmia, or heightened sense of smell. Since her husband's death in 2015, she's been working with Parkinson's disease doctors and researchers. They found that people with Parkinson's have certain lipids on, of high molecular weight in their sebum, an oily substance found on the skin. It's a sebum. They are, they are more active, those mm. little sebum guys. Mm -hmm. Sebum tends to collect in the upper back region, the same area where Milne noticed her husband stank. Hmm. Yeah. Now the team of scientists from the University of Manchester in England, in tandem with Milne, have developed a simple skin swab test to detect Parkinson's within about three minutes. Wow. Using mass spectrometry, a tool for identifying compounds using their weight, the test can detect a disease with 95% accuracy under laboratory conditions. What do you think? That's, uh, well, science marches on. That's, uh, that's good news. And it reminds me of a story that we talked about some time ago was dogs able to detect the smell of COVID. Yeah. And the, the percentage of success was in the mid-90s, mid-95%. Yeah, we forget about our sense of smell. There, I was going to say, yeah. there's something about that part of, of our being that we... Yeah, we. <clears throat> I don't think we know as much as we do about eyesight and other senses, but yeah, it's a, a area look worth looking into, and that's that's a good story. 
not a good story for that uh, particular couple. But you think story. in the future we'll be able to uh, adjust our smell so we'll walk in a room and like be able to tell, you know, be like a dating app. <laughs> we'll just have like a nose for who, who's right for us. We'll just start sniffing around. That has been talked yeah. about as a, as a strong feature of attraction with other people. Is yeah, mother, yeah, mother already does that. Well, <clears throat> well Dogs mother, are way ahead of us in that mother, department. Yeah, way ahead. And I'm not sure I want to go there. You know what I'm saying? The way that dogs detect. You wouldn't want to sniff. People's butts? Is, huh? Butts. You don't do that? Not very often, mm. no. I can't mm. think of any, actually any instance in my whole life when I've done that. So. Well, Mahler and I do it all the time. Oh, we have, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Mahler, yeah. yeah, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah from Al Jazeera. Yeah. Syrian authorities announced that they have seized 24 kilograms of captagon that has been crushed and reconstituted to look like hummus bowls. Yeah. Saudi Arabia is the largest market for captagon. An amphetamine popular among partygoers, I hear, mm. but also used for weight loss and by students cramming and people who work three shifts. It's that kind of, you know, it's the old speed stuff. Mm -hmm. An improved speed, or maybe not improved, I don't know. Yeah. Do you ever take any speed? No. Nothing at Do, all? Does cocaine count as a, 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 uh, a, a Not an amphetamine. I'm yeah. talking... No, not yeah. that I've ever... Huh. Knowingly taken, other than co coffee or well, I think that's not I, amphetamine. I, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no amphetamines. Yeah. No, no pills. No, yeah. no pills for me. No pills. No, never. From the Guardian, in Kinshasa, the capital of the Dominican Republic of the Congo, dignitaries gathered on a new footbridge for a ribbon-cutting ceremony to inaugurate the bridge. Yeah, they're all excited about this. The capital city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so they go to they snip the rib the ribbon you know snip it yeah uh, they have a video of this online in case you're curious they okay. snip the ribbon yeah. and immediately the bridge collapses beneath their feet oh my god yeah uh, they just kind of fell into a little pile because okay. they were kind of at the entrance of the bridge oh my you know? god yeah yeah because that's where they cut the ribbon so everybody could walk across no one was hurt okay uh, but one of the last people to climb out of the pileup was a man in military fatigues and dark glasses who was clutching an op unopened bottle of champagne. <laughs> I just like the image, you know. And it's fun. I mean, it's... Knowing that nobody got hurt, it's probably yeah. somewhat humorous, right? It's, yeah, and, I, and apparently the people who were watching this really thought it was pretty funny, too. Because okay. it, it was amazing. It was almost as if cutting the ribbon made the bridge fall apart. <laughs> Sounds like a Buster Keaton thing yeah, from exactly. the silent movie yeah. era, right? Do you have anything you want to get off your chest? <sighs> How's your week? How oh, the week was uh was hectic. Yeah? Hectic. Yeah, yeah it's hectic now. Things are getting more hectic all the time. <laughs> if you I think this you know is what code. I, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And a hectic week. It was what a, about in in the in the larger in the larger the big picture yeah, big uh, picture world? Well, of I mean, I politics don't, you know, yeah, politics. The world of of Donald Trump. I do think that we are destined for an indictment of of our former president, and I hope that it is because I my ultimately, if we don't indict him and prosecute him for the crimes that I believe he's committed. We're setting the bar for the next version of him uh, very low. 
yeah. at, at a frighteningly low level of the of the of justice and the rule of law in this country. Yeah, even though I'm really hoping that in November mm-hmm. we have a kind of a, a, a surprise turnaround for the country, right? And the goons that are, keep denying that Joe Biden is president will have their kind of comeuppance. Apparently, I, I forget. I should know, but uh, one of the candidates who for who won, I think it's in the, the uh, East Coast, Northeast, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't think there, but one of one of the yeah. yeah, one of them after spending his whole campaign saying that Joe Biden did not win, is now saying that oh he did, yeah, because they're realizing that what they've been preaching for the last two years is really detrimental. Right. So. As uh, Nathan, as you and I have both been involved in the world of politics oh. for for a, before or in a previous life. Lindsey Graham said one of the most incredibly um, ill-advised, okay. I'll say stupid, okay. things that I think I've ever heard a politician say in the environment that we find ourselves in. If For people who didn't hear him, he was talking about and did introduce a bill into the United States Senate that would essentially make it federal law that the right to an abortion was essentially non-existent and that... When he called 15 weeks late term, late too, term. which is yeah. ridiculous. Yes. It's not late term. You don't even know until six or seven weeks, you know, most of the time. So yeah. 15 weeks is not late term. Right. Late term is six and, months or so. And in an environment, political environment, where we have a sense that that is politically, electorally, an insane thing to say when the polling in support of a woman's right to make decisions about her health care, including abortion, are running very high right now in terms of not only the support for abortion, but also the energizing of of women who are now registering to vote in record numbers, et cetera, et cetera. If I didn't know better, I'd swear he he was being paid off by the Democrats to do what he's doing. He's introducing a bill and force he's going to force a vote. Yeah. So he's going to put all the Republican senators on the record. What did he say? What did he say? Yeah, you said he said something really stupid. He said that, that well, he said that that's what he that he wants this to to be on the on the agenda that oh. he wants to make this happen. Yeah. He wants because he believes that this is incredibly important for yeah. the Republican party and you know, you can have your opinion about abortion one way or the other. That's fine. But from a political point of view, it is really one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever... Well, they're true believers. They really believe yeah, this. Yeah, and, yeah, that's... Uh, okay, I guess yeah. that could be you know, the argument there. Yeah, exactly. From the Financial Times, Ukrainian hackers created fake profiles of attracted women to kick to trick Russian soldiers into sharing troop location. The hackers said the soldiers sent them pictures, which they uh, geolocated and sent to the military. Days later, the base was blown up. <laughs> Nikoda Knish, a 30-year-old IT professional from Kharkiv, said that when Russia's invasion began in February this year, he wanted to use his hacking skills to help his country. He recruited, recruited other hackers and founded a group nicknamed Hack Your Mom, <laughs> which now consists of 30 hackers from across the country. Uh, Kanish said the Russians, they always want to... <laughs> I can't say that word. 
And finally, from <laughs> Science Magazine, uh-huh. Ice Giant Missions. Ice, Ice Giant Missions. Yeah, a Twitter account unaffiliated with NASA. Okay. You know, the National Air and Ox Space Administration uh-huh. appealed to the Internet to name a NASA probe that will shortly explore Uranus. Yep. The mission would spend several years orbiting Uranus and then send a probe down through Uranus's atmosphere to the surface. There it could tell a lot about the makeup of Uranus. Publishable name suggestions received for the first probe of Uranus include the Advanced New Uranus Space Mission, or ANUS, Operation Buttplug, Suppository, I kind of like that one, Proby McProbe Face, which I also like, and Colonoscopy One. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.